Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Mason. Oh. Home Run Applesauce's minor league podcast. <laughs> I'm Steve Seifel, and I'm joined this week by Ken Lavin and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing good. All right. So uh, we'll do promote, extend, trade this week. And on today's date, almost 600 years ago on the dot, in 1524, uh, Giovanni de Verzano sailed up the Atlantic coastline. He entered New York Harbor, first European explorer to do so. Bridge is named in his honor. And I don't know if you guys know this, Thomas, you probably do, but the bridge has been misspelled for like 50 years. Yes. Yep. It was spelled V-E-R-R-A-Z-A-N-O with one Z, but Giovanni de Verzano had two Zs in his name. Yes. Um so, yeah, they corrected it a couple of years ago, but kind of embarrassing. So what embarrassing baseball spelling errors are we going to promote, extend, or trade? <laughs> First, we have the uh, 2010 Mets draft press uh, release where they drafted Matt Harvery. <laughs> extend. <laughs> then we have the 2009 Washington Natinals. And last but certainly not least is the uh, 2022 Cy Young Most Voluble Pitcher Award. Putting it on Cy Young is rough. Yeah. I'm going to have to promote that one because, like, how do you screw that up? 
like these things go they get made however they get made how many people did that spelling error have to go past quite a few right and then harvey's bad because like the natinals one is just kind of funny but like when you've drafted a guy and you're like look at our first round pick and you spell his name wrong it's like yeah that's (laughs) that is low nets basically yeah I feel like, though, that was the easiest one to, like, happen because it's just, you know, a typo. Screwing up a a uniform and screwing up a plaque, it's like, guys, come on. Like, did no one catch this? Screwing up a uniform is really funny because it's all of them. Like, right? It was all of the uniforms? I don't don't remember. I don't remember. Because if it's on all the, it's like, it's like, does anyone look at any of them? But if he, at least it's on one, I could see that getting lost in Trent, like, the shuffle. Right, 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 right. Very embarrassing, though, all of these. All right. Um, move on now to our way to early draft updates. My guy, Cole Carrig, well, he plays for San Diego State University. They had a busy week this week. They played UC San Diego at the beginning of the week in a two-game series. And then they played Fresno State University over the weekend. And um, they split the series against UC San Diego. They split the series against Fresno State so far. And they are going to be playing the rubber match as we record right now. And my guy... Cole Carrig, he missed eight games over the span of basically two weeks. I checked Twitter. I checked his Instagram. I checked his Instagram stories. I checked the school website. No explanation <laughs> was ever given. But he magically returned to the field this week. Uh, he went two for seven against UC San Diego with a double and triple. And then so far against Fresno State, he is three for nine with three steals and four tries. So that brings him to the season. Now of a batting line of 329, 352, 512, with four doubles, four triples, one homer, nine steals, two walks, 14 strikeouts in 21 games. And if, you know, he has like a hot streak for like a week or two, I guess he could rebuild a lot of his value. But his stock is way, way, way down right now. Definitely would not recommend drafting a 32 unless the Mets are, you know, uh, playing around the slot values and are intentionally going for, you know, an, an under slot reach. Uh, Ken, Yuanji yes. Morales, Miami uh, third baseman. How's he doing? Uh, well, he was shortlisted for um, the golden spikes award. Uh, I'm not particularly sure why um, <laughs> other than reputation. And, yeah. He has been hitting pretty well. Uh, it's just the things that you would hope. Uh, haven't really been showing up like a uh, power. Um, so in his last, uh, he played four games since we last spoke. He went seven for 18 with two doubles, no homers. He uh, struck out twice against two walks. So pretty much even uh, in plate discipline. In terms of plate discipline. Uh, so pretty good week. You know, that's... um. I can do math. Seven divided by 18. 
Yeah, basically hit 400 for a week, but without the power that you'd, you'd hope. Uh, and on the season, that's kind of borne out. Um, he's hitting 338, 410, 534, uh, which again would be a perfectly fine uh, stat line, except for the fact that, um, you know, you look at him and you look at the way he swings and um, you expect a little more power against college competition. Um, so I'd say stock pretty much even. Mm. Um, you know, performance is certainly there, but, um, and maybe this is unfair of me to expect, I would expect a little more power coming from a player um, of his caliber. Yeah, I mean, especially with the bats, too. Yeah, he is a big strapping lad, is he not? Uh, and the bat speed is, is freakish. So, yeah. So, I mean, um, I, I don't think that he's a like mirage. He, like, he could hit like four homers in a week and uh, yeah, you know, that would be fine. But um, yeah, so I, I'd say even he's been fine. Just um, maybe not quite what you'd want. He's not a Jace Boyd, you know. Uh, no, was it Jace Boyd setting records with you know, like 28 home runs or whatever it is, but all because of the aluminum bat? Yeah. No, no, no. David so. Thompson, excuse me. David Thompson. Thompson, yeah. Yep. Also for Miami. Yes, exactly. Miami Pride. All right. Uh, Thomas Rockalowski. So Max Preps finally has started updating their stuff. Um, for those of you who haven't been listening to every episode or missed a few, Max Preps could sometimes take a while because there's so many prep guys and they're putting all the stats up. So, you know, it's it's a lot of work. So on the season, he is hitting 487 with a 585 on base percentage, and he has 37 hits in 22 games just to he's just to like lay the groundwork of how good he's been this year and just how much better he is in the competition. Um, he played three games this week. They went three and oh, one game. He went two for five, one game. He went two for four with a home run. And one day he went four for four with a home run and three doubles. So that's a, that's a good week in my book. I will take that. I'm assuming, I think I would say his stock is probably up, but I don't also don't know if he's just going to, he's probably just going to go to college and call it a day. So it's yeah. a weird, he's in a weird spot with his draft stock where I don't think he should be there at 32. If he had any intention of going pro, like I think he would go much earlier than that, but also maybe not much earlier, maybe in the twenties or something, but it seems like he has a strong commitment. Like I've said before, I don't know how strong it actually is. And I don't know if the Mets are going to even bother worrying about any of that. They obviously like prep bats. They just took Jet Williams uh, last year, and he looks he's had a great start to his college, his college, his professional career. But I don't really know what they're thinking with trying to buy out a, a pretty legit commitment. But dude's good. And I think if we see him at UCLA, he could just keep ascending and he'll be a name to watch. I'm trying to think like, you know, the team does good and. After the game, you know, coach stops and gets pizza for everybody or gets ice cream <laughs> or whatever. What do you do when a guy goes four for four with a home run and three doubles? Like, I know. you stop the good? Gold. Okay, yeah. I mean, I feel like getting a, a pizza is not worth a four for four night. 
What are those like um, absurdly expensive meals that like billionaires eat? Like golden crusted pasta or something? <laughs> oh yeah, that's probably they what he's owed. Go to uh, like Salt Bay and get his gold steak that's extremely overpriced and looks pretty disgusting. All right. Now we will move on to players that are actually in the organization and start with the Syracuse Mets. And they played a series against the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Railriders this week, the Yankees AAA affiliate. And they are three and one against them with a doubleheader being played right now as we record. And they have a nine to four record and they are tied at the Norfolk Tides for first place, not just in the International League East, but in the entire International League period. They they both have the best records in the entire International League. Um, we said, you know, earlier in the month that Syracuse had the ability to just like steamroll over other teams if the bats are clicking. And definitely the bats have been clicking. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of these other plays in a little bit. Um, but... Brett Beatty coming into Sunday's doubleheader. He was hitting 400, 500, 866 with five home runs in nine games. 500 on base percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio coming into Sunday was hitting 380, 436, 880 with six home runs in 13 games. Uh, Mark Vientos coming into Sunday's hitting 283, 365, 565 with four home runs in 12 games. And I'm pretty sure that he hit a home run today. So make that five homers now. And they're not the only ones doing, like, all the heavy lifting. Uh, a ton of those complimentary guys are, are also hitting really well. Um, Jonathan Arauz is hitting 370, 442, 544. Danny Mendick is hitting 341, 431, 546. Jose Peraza is hitting 333, 357, 444. So the bats are definitely... Uh, the bats are definitely doing their thing, and you could definitely make a case that, you know, some of the bats in Syracuse should not be in Syracuse, and lo and behold, one of the bats that were in Syracuse will no longer be in Syracuse, and Brett Beatty is um, being promoted. Hashtag freed Brett. A, a well-deserved promotion. He only had to literally get on base every other at bat. <laughs> but you know, you gotta do what you gotta do, I guess. Totally. But yeah. Ready. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if if you're only getting if you're only getting on base at a five hundred clip, that means that you're also not getting on base at a five hundred clip, which is not You good, think that right? was the last uh the last benchmark? That the, that was the last developmental goal. They were like <laughs> half the time. Literally get on base half the time. Half the time, or you're riding the pine. <laughs> Ooh, nice. That, that's but the yeah. exact quote from Billy to <laughs> Beatty. Um, you know, no corresponding move has been announced yet because I think this literally broke like 20 minutes ago or whatever. Yeah, um, and he's not playing today. The today yeah, being Sunday when we record this. Yeah, he's not playing with the Mets. He's he was not playing with Syracuse. He's just kind of in limbo somewhere. I would assume that Tim LaCastro gets the one, you know, is the one that gets the uh, short end of the stick here. 
Or because Budo's playing today. He's pitching today. So oh, I could right. see them. I could see them do, uh, having Budo pitch today and then sending him down for Beatty right after and running a five man bench in a DH league for some reason. Until Wednesday when, yeah, just like kind of like have a weird roster construction for a few days and then kind of get back to normal when they need another arm and then they DFA LaCastro. But LaCastro is the move regardless in the long term, right? Yeah, I mean. Escobar looks bad, but they're not going to cut him because there's still still reason to see if he could cut it as a bench bat for a little bit. Exactly. Escobar on the bench gives them... Some versatility, you know, he's a switch hitter, so he gets them... also a good chance he ends up uh, a fairly significant part of a platoon with Batty, like they did That's last true. year. And, and with the right-handed DH, too, because yeah. he's wait, he should, yeah, he probably true. shouldn't face a righty again. <laughs> he looks awful from the right side, like even yeah. worse. Yeah, Escobar has been pretty Or from good. the left side, rather. Escobar currently has a 7 WRC+. Plus. So I mean, it was negative it, a few days ago. Yeah. So. Even if Beatty struggles like he did last year, last year Beatty had a weighted wins of 71. So if Beatty plays like he did last year in the two-week span or whatever so, it was, it's literally seven times better than what Escobar is Yeah, right it's now. true. Like, uh, I don't know, excuse me, ten times, ten times. Seven to 71. Yikes. Yeah, Escobar's been really bad. And they probably took a little too long to call him up, and it's like game 17. It's once once they didn't sign Correa, he should have just broke camp with the he being Beatty should have just broke camp with the Mets, and they called it a day. But whatever. I mean, it's that is just little. what they've been doing with Alvarez. So yeah, what they're doing with Alvarez is like potentially severely Fucking stunting weird. his development. Very weird. Like. He's playing two two days in a row today. He played yesterday. He's going to play today. But th- I don't understand the how they're treating him ever since they signed two catchers to two-year deals in the, in the offseason. It's been very strange to me this entire time, and I don't really know what that says about what they think of him. Because to me, it sounds like they don't believe in him. Otherwise, he would be yeah, playing. I, Dave Capobianco tweeted something that uh, – seems like they're trying to keep him protected from big league pitching so that uh you know his trade value will be higher yes uh which like not a great plan (laughs) (laughs) no no because like to me given like other teams have these things called scouts that uh (laughs) are watching pretty closely and (laughs) you're not gonna trick them like (laughs) Yeah, if if you're tra- trading Alvarez, you're trading him for a star, right? Yeah. And so if you're doing that, then the other team is already has their opinions on the guy. They don't need your yeah. the Mets opinions because the Mets opinions are going to be they swayed to whatever they want. They probably don't need much um, much performance from this year, uh, especially with weird bullshit <laughs> to, yeah. to influence that. You know. Like I know the the first name that comes to mind is Otani, but I think the Angels are not going to trade him because of Moreno That's... and. Reasons. Yeah, and they're probably going to be too good to trick. Not like they're going to be a great team, but they'll probably be close they'll enough be in, to the wild. Yeah, where it's the deadline and Otani is like, hey, I kind of I'm one foot out the door unless I unless you actually show me something. And then they try to try to keep him, which would I would do. But if you're trading him for like Brian Reynolds or something, the Pirates know what 
Alvarez is, he doesn't. You know what I yeah. mean? Or whoever, whoever else, Corbin Burns or something. I think of whatever names could be out there, but the the Brewers look good, so I don't know what they're gonna do. It's just I don't know. It's been a weird feeling about Alvarez and the Mets since they gave Narvaez a two-year deal and then extended Nito, extended, bought out his RBRs, but kind of guaranteed that, you know. It's just strange. The Mets are going to. I feel like the Mets are going to give Beatty free reign. Do you think they're going to be treating him equally weird? In terms no, of I mean time? they let him. They let him play last year, Beatty, when before he got hurt, he was playing most of the time. Like he came up and he played. I would assume. Mm-hmm. I would assume they'll do something similar to last year, where he starts off in like a soft platoon, uh, mostly to you know keep getting reps to Escobar for you know veteran presence reasons or whatever the hell. Uh, and then as Beatty performs, he either takes more of Escobar's share uh, or just runs with it outright. But I, I just assume yeah. he starts in some type of soft platoon. Yeah, like he's probably going to sit against Kershaw on tu- Tuesday, I think, or Monday. No, it's not Monday. I think it's Tuesday that they face Kershaw. He'll probably not play that game, and that's fine. Like, you don't have to play <laughs> Brett, that, Brett Beatty against Clayton Kershaw, I understand. Yeah. But and to to Ken's point, I think that Escobar is going to play against the tougher lefties and stuff. And then those there's probably going to be games where they face a tough lefty, but Escobar DHs, and that means Beatty plays anyway. And then because Vogelback can't play at all against the lefties, like they're going to have to figure something out of DH regardless. And they might not need to give Canna a day, and they they could fit Fam in different way. You know, they could give Nimmo a day if they really want to because he hasn't gotten many yet. Like they they could kind of. Get a little more creations. Now this is when, um, even two days, three days ago, I was like, this bench is very inflexible, and it's already mm-hmm. more flexible. You know, like we're already we're already growing in that regard. Where just by placing uh, Escobar on the bench, replacing presumably Lacastro, because he should never take an at bat, which is very tough on a. It's tough to roster that with four men on the bench because one's your backup catcher. Lacastro can't play. Vogelback can only hit against righties, and then you have you got one guy Giorme, and he's not a pinch hitter. You know, that's not a guy you want to do that. So it's they're getting it starts to get you could be more creative and kind of have a different lineup every few days, and that's interesting too. I will. I also wonder if we see him in the outfield a little bit. I don't know if they'll do that right away, but I mean the very little outfield that he played in. Was it 2021? 20, I don't think he played One, any think. field last year. I don't think he played last year either, yeah. Yeah, but he didn't look bad. I mean, it was very limited. But yeah, he's he's one of those guys, like, he's not speedy in a base-stealing sense, but he's, you know, once he starts going, he give you enough range where he's passable. He's not Lucas Duda, you know? Yeah. He's athletic, you know? Exactly. I'm he trying probably to could have played basketball in college, um, if that's what he wanted to do with his life. And, like, Jordan Walker played 198 total minor league innings in the outfield, and he's exclusively been in the outfield for the Cardinals. Not that it's the same because you have Nolan Arenado playing third base and not, you know, there's a reason why he's playing right field, but you could do that with a player. Players are... 
modern players are flexible enough where you could kind of be like, hey, you might have to do this a little bit to help out. To kind of if we need to if kind of gets hurt or something and you don't want to put McNeil out there every day, you know, like you could kind of get a little creative in that regard, too. Yeah, he is definitely athletic enough to do to spell guys and yeah. play every once in a while. Yeah. And in and the like future, that's... if they wanted to make him permanently an outfielder, you know, with with more repetition, I think he could, too. I don't think that's something you I mean, immediately do, but that was probably the plan with Correa. I don't think they mm-hmm. would have traded Beatty if they signed Correa. Beatty would. And then at that point, I'd be like, yeah, you could keep Beatty in the minors for as long as you need to. So we could learn how to play left field for real. You know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. at that point, he's actually learning a new position. So I understand why you don't want to do that at the major league level, but. Maybe they signed Matt Chapman in the offseason and then and to replace Canna's production in the outfield, you move Beatty. You know, there's if Beatty isn't a great third baseman in the majors or if he's just OK. And obviously Chapman's one of the two, three best defensive third basemen in the league. With Machado and Arenado. So that's also we're we're talking in hypotheticals at that point. But yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully Beatty does good. Um, I mean, like we said, the bar was so low that really I yep. I don't know if he can be worse than a weighted RC plus of seven. So, I mean, that's the same thing to go back to Alfred's. This is, Nito's even worse than that. He has like a negative 30 or some, yeah. something. The last I checked, it was negative 32, I think, weighted runs created plus, which I've never even seen before. <laughs> that is impressive. It's like, I understand he's an, an excellent defender, but come on. Like, Alvarez looks fine back there. He kind of reminds yeah. me of James Can back there, funnily enough. Where, like, he's good at stealing the strikes on the corners, but the strikes on the bottom of the zone, I think he struggles with. But that's reps. And the only way he gets better is if he plays, not watching Tomas Nito play. But I also his, extremely don't care about like traditional catcher shit as long as he hits. No, of course. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I like they can run as much as they want on him if he hits. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't matter in 2023 yeah. baseball at that point. Mike Everyone's Piazza's running. Everyone's not in the Hall of Fame because of his defensive acumen. You know. Thomas, how much of his struggles right now do you think is him pressing because he gets like six at bats a week at the plate? It has to yeah. be. He. Because his at-bats are, like, non-competitive, but I, I'd imagine he's like getting none of that is him, like, trying to hit everything to the moon. So, I don't know if, how many of you listening or in this podcast or recording this podcast right now watched the Brewers game where he faced Hader. Hader threw, like, seven balls at his face, and he didn't yep. swing at two of them, and then he got impatient and started swinging at the same pitches he was just taking. And it was like the the 3-2 pitch was – it was a ball, but it was an incredible pitch. Like I'm not going to sit there and be like, wow, how do you swing at that? Because it was close to the top of the zone. It was in the inside. So I could see how you would think it would dip back down. Close it's like enough, a two, yeah. Like it – that one's close enough where you got to swing at it, especially with two strikes. But to get to two strikes, the balls weren't even close. Like – and that's one of those things where, of course, because Buck Showalter is like in the media saying like, hey – you're the backup quarterback, you know? And so when you do get your reps, you have to maximize. Like, th- there's no choice. If he doesn't maximize his reps, then he doesn't play tomorrow. 
And he today, Buck was reason to play. He's not going to play. Exactly. And I and, also worth remembering, he's a literal child. Yeah, he's what twenty one. <laughs> he he like, had just turned twenty one. And he came up last year, but it was they were. He came up last year and didn't look great in that Brave series when he was like DHing and stuff because it was hey. You're 20, you're 20 at that point. Hey, here's the so, most important series of the year. Figure it out <laughs> on the fly. Not only of the year, since like 2016. The, the most important yeah, series yeah. in Mets baseball in half a decade, you know, go and in Atlanta, go hit, you know. And he looked better when the games didn't matter because there was less pressure. And I'm not saying he can't handle it. I'm saying. But yeah, confidence, you need to build it from somewhere, you know. Yeah. And that's why I wanted Beatty to be up early. And I'm happy that he is because if he is a shitty April and then he turns it, he figures it out in June. Like, uh, yeah, you didn't waste all that time. Julio Rodriguez was bad in last April, and look how good mm-hmm. he ended up. He, he had like 200. And yeah, it's almost that, like they need time to adjust. Yeah, because as much as these superstars or these super prospects are super prospects, Mike Trout sucked his rookie year when he was 20 because it didn't matter that he was Mike Trout. The some 20. guy who's a six, <laughs> some guy who's a six-year vet is like mm, whatever. Like, in three years, you got me, but I got you now, you know? They need to get those reps, and Alvarez just, he's not doing anything. He's not playing. Like, I'm yeah, happy he's, he's playing two days in a row against Oakland, and that's important. And maybe he has a good game today, and it helps. He plays more on this road trip, but... Navarez is out for two months. He's not out for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Are we going to settle for Nito's negative 34 for two months? And he also... You really also can't Nito, do that every day. You really can't. He, he, yeah, exactly. And he can't even stay on the field for that long. Like, every single time he's had a starter's workload, he's gotten hurt because... I mean, there, there are no catchers like that anymore. Even the really good guys get DH'd, like, two days a week. To, Look to at what the Braves are doing. Yeah. Well, the Braves have two very good catchers. And and uh, Sean Murphy DH's a fair bit, and obviously Travis got hurt. Darno got hurt, so, like... Mm-hmm. What he's what they can't really they're gonna have to catch him more than they would want to probably. But when Darno comes back, it's gonna go right back into that like splitting it, and you could lose the DH if someone gets hurt. It's fine. Buck doesn't have to. Buck I know wants to freak out about that, but it's not that big of a deal. I don't know. It's weird. weird. They're not setting him. They didn't set Alvarez up to succeed, and I hope they set Beatty up to succeed. And I trust them more to do that because I think they think Beatty is more ready he is definitely more of a complete player in terms of his at bats and what he's also setting up significantly to. older yeah that's yeah what I think exactly no yeah. three years older and catchers yeah. are weird catchers yeah that's weird well again at the end of the day he's an upgrade over Escobar, so good. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Um, focusing so much on the uh, offensive side of baseball, we forgot about there's a defensive side in pitching. And Jose Budo, he's also getting a call up today. Um, we'll see how he fares against Oakland. Again, we are recording before the, the, the game is taking place. But he was having a decent start to the season with Syracuse. He's allowed two earned runs in 9.2 innings over two starts. That's a 186 ERA. He did not look good last year. Um, we've, you know, analyzed Budo and what he is and what he isn't. I don't have high expectations, but hopefully it's just a kind of spot start and nothing longer, you know. Um, another pitcher in Syracuse doing pretty good, uh, Joey Lucchese. He's earned, he's allowed four earned runs over 15.2 innings so far, which is a 230 ERA. And Budo and Lucchese, basic, basically Budo and Lucchese and David Peterson and Tyler McGill were basically all supposed to be depth. And now three of those four guys are on the big league club. And, you know... Verlander's out, Quintana's out, Scherzer is feeling achy, hopefully is nothing more than just that. And for once, the Mets actually had, like, decent starting depth. Not just like, like hey, this guy is a warm body, can throw, but, you know, guys yeah. that are solid as depth pieces. They've just had to use it now. Yeah. At least Budo has that new... Cutter or slider or something that make that looks pretty good. So hopefully that just means that he has a he's a little more viable. Like it it probably makes him a bit of a better pitcher because he finally has a, a breaker like a secondary pitch that's not a changeup. Well, he needs just something else that he can go to. Yeah, because that could be the difference between an up and down organizational depth guy and like someone you really don't want to call up. You know, <laughs> it's the truth. And Oakland is definitely a good team to see how it works. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which I, I I don't know if I don't believe that Scherzer is hurt, but it, the conspiracy theorist in me is like, they think it's Oakland and Budo is probably facing not similar lineups to that, but not too dissimilar either. <laughs> like, Oakland is better than a AAA lineup, but there's a lot of... A lot of trip, AAA type guys in that lineup too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, Budo, Lucchese, one guy that um, it's not looking like we might be able to count on in terms of depth, but hopefully he's never needed to begin with anyway. Um, is what's his name? Any pitch today? Dylan Bundy. Yeah, Dylan Bundy. Whoa. Yeah, he, he looked bad, yeah. He He's gave like up. like nine or something. Nine earned runs in four plus innings. He gave up four home runs. Um, three of them to the same guy, so that guy has his number, but yikes. I thought it was a good signing at the time. It was like, oh, cool, Dylan Bundy, but 
like I guess brain instantly when I think Dylan Mudsey, I think like Dylan Mudsey, year old. Right, I think yeah, like right. 2010 top prospect on the Orioles, Dylan Bundy, not guy that his fastball averaged like 88 miles an hour, Dylan Bundy. So, yeah. But also, it's still a good signing regardless, I think. It's, because I mean, there's no, there's no downside. No, there's no downside. It's a, it's a process win. It's like, yeah, okay, good. They're just, thinking. They're thinking ahead. It's a guy he's had some success as recently as like 2019 or 2020 when he was good. A couple of years ago, you know, so it's good that they're thinking. It's not like, you know, the Mets of maybe a couple of years ago where all of a sudden three of their starters disappear and then they're just standing there, you know, with their pants around their legs. There is a plan in place, which is good. Dylan Bundy might not be that guy anymore, but at least they tried. Yeah, it's important. It's nice that they found out. And he, who knows if they give him another start, if it's better, I don't know. They, I, there's no, they shouldn't be any rush to release him either. <laughs> he might be like Aaron Laffey. He just, retired. yeah, just reti- he said, <laughs> this is bad. I'm done. I'm pretty sure I did the recap for that. Like, I think I was doing the minor league stuff at that point. And like, it was early in my minor league writing career because I remember that being like, oh no, he did what? <laughs> he retired? <laughs> You said, all right, I'm out. I respect it, though. Be like, no. Yeah, I mean, hey, if if you have enough saves and, and you're young enough and whatever, and you just can say, like, you know what, I'm just not good anymore and accept that, then more power to you, I guess. All right. After all that, now we've only examined one level. Um, next up are the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. They played the Somerset Patriots, the Yankees double A affiliate. They went two and three, and they're playing the last game of the series right now. And coming into the year, Binghamton definitely looked the weakest on paper, and they are showing it. Um They're bad. Yeah, they're two and six on the year. They are five games behind the Portland Sea Dogs, and they're just one game ahead of the Reading Fighting Phils, which is dead last in the uh division, the Eastern League Northeast. They have negative 23 run differential, which is not just the worst in the division, but it's the worst in the entire Eastern League. And they scored second fewest runs of any team. Only, again, Reading has scored fewer runs. And they've allowed more runs than anybody else. Pitching on that team is not optimal. Um, Dominic Hamels has surface numbers that look pretty good. Um, He's kind of been walking a tightrope, though. He's a 123 ERA. In 7.1 innings with three hits and 10 strikeouts. Looks good. Eight walks, though. You know, that one one or two pitches, one or two players don't make a catch, whatever, and things that 123 ERA could be a lot different. Um, Junior Santos, he has a six ERA in nine innings, uh, 11 hits, eight strikeouts, five walks. Not great. Mike Vassell, he's kind of been somewhere in between... Uh, good and bad. He's a 450 ERA over just one start so far. Allowed two hits, one walk, and uh, struck out eight. The the one walk and striking out eight is nice for him. Yeah, I mean he's yeah, him. Dominic Hamill is the the problem is very similar. They just command is not good. Yeah, and Hamill's so. been like he's been struggling with that, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. He's walked a bunch of people. He's had some wild pitches in his outings. Like, it's just, it's one of those things that's been um 
if if it's if he's gonna have a cap on his ceiling, it's because he can't find the strike zone. Yep, the stuff is good. Part of it also is that you know it just moves so much that batters mm-hmm. can't catch it, but he doesn't know what's going either. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, starting pitching not looked good. No one in the bullpen has looked particularly good. Um, and offense really just they don't have anybody. Period. Um, Matt Rudick is leading the team with a 3.33 average. Again, also keep in mind this is all like a seven-game sample size, but Matt Rudick is leading the team with a 3.33 average. After him, second highest average on the team is Luke Ritter with a 2.17 average. After him is White Young with a 2.14 average. Then JT Schwartz with his 1.92 average. And then Augustin Ruiz with a 150 average. So your fifth best hitter on the team is hitting 150. It's just not that that's like the dead zone for Mets prospects. <laughs> like, yeah. like there's just no one really because everyone is like Beatty and Alvarez. And when he was in Syracuse and Vientos and Ronnie are up and everyone else is below them. So Binghamton will be good and like not good, but like better. Well, probably good in like a year or two, but not yet. You gotta wait if, if you live in. They'll probably be good, and if you can wait two months, Ramirez. Yeah, yeah. Ramirez will probably be there. Consuegra will probably be there. Uh, Parada. Yeah, well, let's talk about those Cyclones because is not exciting to talk about. Uh, Cyclones, they played the Winston Salem Dash, which is the White Sox high A affiliate, and they went one and four against them again with the last game of the series going on right now. And I learned something today, actually, when I was looking at the scores, and I didn't, I didn't know this previously. So the Winston Salem Dash, the team's name, not, it's not a reference to speed or a running, you know, dash, anything like that. The city is, is Winston. No, not even. It, this is the stupidest thing to name your team after. I, okay, listen, you can name your team after <laughs> Jumbo Shrimp. You could name your team after Trash Pandas, you know, whatever. This is the stupidest thing to name your team after. Winston-Salem is the city that they play in in North Carolina. The city is nicknamed the Dash City because there's a dash in Winston-Salem. No. They're, yes. they're named after the hyphen in a name. That's, and that's the thing. It's not even a dash. It's a hyphen. The, Winston's, the Winston-Salem hyphens. Catch the fever. That's hilarious. But yeah. That's that is yeah, that is something else. They should laugh uh, about that. <laughs> <laughs> they should do something. The only reason why I started they looking it up is like tell people that. That's that's like that should be a secret. Yeah, it's on it's on Wikipedia, so I mean if someone they out have, there wants to vandalize the page. Night. They have grammar <laughs> night at the ballpark. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was like, I, first I wanted to see what the team, because I didn't know who they were affiliated of. They're affiliated of the White Sox. And I was like, oh, wow, Winston-Salem, WS, White Sox, how clever. And then I was looking into the backstory of the team, and boom, right there, black and white. So Winston-Salem needs to do better. But anyway, um, Alex Ramirez, he's gotten off to a decent start. He's hitting 281, 324, 438 with one home run and two walks to eight strikeouts over seven games. 
um, Stanley Kunzweger, who I hope is besties with Ramirez because we basically lump the two of those guys together all the time. He's gotten off to an even better start. He's currently hitting 313, 421, 688 in eight games with three home runs and a very impressive in general, but even more impressive for him, um, six walks to nine strikeouts. The only other prospecty hitter on Cyclones, uh, Kevin Prada. He's taking a little bit more time to adjust to professional ball. Uh, he's hitting 250, 447, 393 with one home run and a inverted, we love to see it, nine walks to eight strikeouts through eight his, games. His defense, it's not good. <laughs> no, it has uh, definitely I, not looked good. I don't, have, I don't know if you've seen it, how many Cyclone games, but I've watched a few uh, on TV yet because I haven't been to the been down to see them yet live but man just not good stuff Thro- bad throws bad mm-hmm. framing just you could you could definitely see where it's a work in progress and why people were kind of saying like hey maybe he moves to the outfield not saying that they should do that like right now but i think that's that's a conversation for a later date but he's got stuff to work on behind the plate for sure and he has a good idea of of the plate i mean he's walking quite a bit and as a, I, I remember one random stat from like the Florida State League last year was he challenged like 25 pitches that were called strikes and he got them reversed to balls or vice versa, whatever it was. So like he knows what the zone is, but he is not good at receiving and he's not good at throwing right now. His throws have been, um, I've seen a few and you know how someone could steal the base off a pitcher and like the catcher makes a good throw anyway. And you're like, oh, it didn't matter. There are a few where dudes have stolen stolen on him, and it's just like, damn, that's not a that's a weak throw to second base, mm-hmm. like a bad one. So I'm not saying obviously I'm not saying he's cooked defensively forever and he's just never going to be a good catcher. People grow and become better catchers over time, and people have done that in the majors. And Omar Narvaez was not a good catcher, and then the Brewers made him into one. So like, you know how it is. But also, the Mets had some work to do with him, and he has some work to do himself to get better back there yep um so yeah i mean that is basically the only um those are the only like position players really worth anything uh prospecty wise on brooklyn um in terms of pitching now a couple of pretty Solid uh, pitching performances, uh, pitchers. Blade Tidwell, he was pitching today. Um, he went two innings for Brooklyn, did not allow a run, gave up one hit, struck out four, did not walk anybody. Nice to see. He looks good. Um, I watched his yeah. last start. And his fastball, he doesn't have great control over it, but his breaking stuff is really good. Like yeah, he is, he has better control over that than his fastball, which is very funny. But I guess that's if you want to pick one to have great control over early on, I'd pick the breaking stuff. But it's too good for that level. His slider, like he he was just destroying dudes with it when I saw him. Obviously on TV, so it's a little different than in person, but still. Mm-hmm. A couple of other. Draftees from last year who were in Brooklyn are getting off to pretty decent starts, too. Tyler Stewart, who is the sixth-round pick, 
Um, he's allowed one earned run in eight innings. He has a 113 ERA. He's allowed five hits. He walked four, and he struck out 12. Uh, Paul Gervais, who is their 12th round pick from last year, no earned runs at all in six innings in relief. Uh, he's allowed four hits. He's walked four, and he struck out uh, nine. And then Tidwell, of course, who was the second round pick. He's he's off to a decent start as well. So, you know, a few of these games, uh, excuse me, a few of these guys are going to make their way to Binghamton at some point this year and should give Binghamton a boost. And last up are the St. Lucie Mets. They played the Jupiter Hammerheads this week. They went three and two with the wrap-up game going on right now. Um, they're three and five on the year now, which is dead last in the Florida State League East. And they are two games behind the Daytona Tortugas. It's weird to say that St. Lucie is in dead last because last year they were so good. And this year, um, not so much. The offense has the capability, but you know the pitching is not great. Um, Jet Williams, he's currently he hitting... Good. 240, 441, 480. He's hit a double. He's hit a triple. He's hit a homer. He's stolen two bases in three attempts. He has a very good uh, walk-to-strikeout ratio, 7-9. to He's dabbling in center field now. Looking good for Jet. Um, Jacob Bramer, he's also getting off to a pretty good start. 273, 448, 318. Um, seven games with a double. And very impressive, seven walks to just four strikeouts. Love to see that from those guys. Um, someone who's struggling a little bit, and it's a little, not sad to say, that's not the right word, but you'd expect him to not struggle because he was in St. Lucie last year, and he did pretty decently, Junior Tillian. Yeah. Um, he's hitting right now 241, 303, 345. Um. No home runs, just three doubles, three walks, seven strikeouts. You know, he wasn't a he wasn't on our top 25 list this year, but he was like on the fringe. I think I don't have the I don't have it in front of me, but I think he probably would have been like 27 or something like that. And he is a guy that has a lot of pop. Um, some of the exit velocities that he posted last year were like Beatty and, um, you know, so. I don't know. It is also seven games, whatever, so I'm assuming that he's going to uh, activate some of that power in-game. But the main reason why St. Lucie's doing so bad is just pitching. Um, just not good. <laughs> you know, yeah. nobody nobody is really thrown enough to, to say anything one way or the other, but just in the, you know, two games, one game, ten innings, whatever it is, you know, most of these guys are struggling. Um, yeah, they're not pitching well so far. No. Leonel Vias and Joe Limley Ramirez, they're starting their years off strong, but another guy that we would have hoped um, would be in there too, Jordani Ventura. He's struggling a bit. And then after that, really, St. Lucie is just full of nobodies. Um, and I say that respectfully because, of course, they're better than I can ever hope to be, but you know what I mean. But so many of the guys that we figured would be pitching in St. Lucie are either out injured or they're still in extended spring training right now, and, you know, they might start in the complex, they might start St. Lucie if they're doing good, who knows, but it's a very different group of pitchers that we were expecting to see, 
and just nothing has really been clicking so far. Yeah. Not to say that I can't in the future, but... Yeah, I mean, again, we're talking about two-game sample size where the first outing is four innings and the second one is five. You know, like, one of these, you know, Jordani Ventura throws six scoreless innings next time he goes out, and all of a sudden this season, everything we're saying, you know, saying, hmm, things don't look good right now, it's forgotten about, so... Definitely room to improve for St. Lucie. But -hmm. again, you know, some of these guys, another game or two, and they look better, great. There's guys in the complex and in spring training that may get the boost to St. Lucie immediately. A couple of months from now, guys that are um, in the complex might get promoted. So they may not have a great first half, but hopefully have a better second half. And that is the week in the Mets minor league system. So if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us uh, questions at our email address. From complex to queens at gmail.com. I don't know why. I just had a brain fart. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I am at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvajos343. Ken is at Ken1191, and Thomas is at said Metzen, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, rate and review it, and of course, you thank you for listening. And a reminder, we are now a Patreon-based outfit, so if you like our podcast or any of the other ones in the Homer and Apple Network, you could subscribe for just $5 a month, and you'll get extra stuff like bonus episodes and exclusive content. Um, just the deep down satisfaction of knowing that you're helping support us, you know, it, it I, I would definitely recommend. I would Unbiased hope. opinion, I'd agree. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.